Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are coming to you with uh, the Jordan Podcast. Jordan Number Podcast. 23. Wow. We've reached GOAT status, Jared. We are GOAT status. We are the GOATs of East Carolina-related podcasts. Well, everybody, uh, we've got a pretty interesting podcast on tap for you today. Boy, do we ever. For this week. Um, what, what a week it's been. For the sports world, my man. We recorded a podcast seven days ago, right? Oh, yeah. We had the Commissioner of the American on, which yep. in hindsight, wow, kudos to us for doing that before all Shout out to the Boneyard Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all this stuff happened. And then not even, My really correct. not even seven days later, just chaos, just complete chaos from college football. Yeah. Shit hit the fan. Shit hit the fan hard. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. There, I've gone from wondering, okay, are we going to have college football, to then saying, oh, no, we're definitely having college football, mm-hmm. then to saying, no, nah, I don't know if we're going to have college football, and then also going back to saying, all right, yeah, we're definitely having <laughs> we're college, gonna football. Have college football. <laughs> um, uh, Artie, where do, I, where do we even begin? Um, so I'm really not even sure. Like, I've been trying to follow it and try – I mean – Trying, there's, there's trying so many, to wrap my brain around it. Right, because I've watched a lot of different shows. I've, I've listened to a lot of different podcasts over the last six or seven days. And everybody's opinions are just everywhere. You know, people are saying, oh, well, they're better on campus. No, they're not better on campus. Oh, you know, this is a smart decision to cancel. No, this is not the smart decision to cancel. Oh, well, we'll just come back in the spring. That's not going to work doing it in the spring. Everybody's opinions about this is just all over the place. Yeah, so I want to get your opinion um, right off the gate. What what are your thoughts? Are they safer on campus? Are they worse on, on campus? Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? Now, people, these are my personal opinions. I am not affiliated with anybody. I only represent me and myself in the Boneyard Podcast. But I truly believe they are safer on campus. As do I. You cannot tell me that a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids are not going to be healthier going through their protocols on their given campus or university than they would be by themselves as teenagers. We have, we have to forget, these aren't professional athletes getting paid, right? They're not NFL athletes. There's, there's no money being made just yet. So they're kids, and they're college kids. And so on their own, they're probably not going to make the smartest decisions, as we've seen throughout this pandemic, that the teenagers have not made the smartest decisions when it comes to protecting themselves, keeping themselves from this you know, virus, We've seen them out in the Ozarks with two, 3,000 deep partying on boats. I'm not saying that these kids will go out and do that, but what I am saying is I think they're a lot safer with their coaches, with their teammates, in a bubble-like scenario on campus because they're not going to be with the other students. And they're getting tested. They're going to be distance learning. And they're getting tested weekly. Weekly. So to sit there and say, oh, yeah, the kids are going to be safer away from campus, I just don't agree with that at all. And so I really – I wasn't shocked that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceled. I knew once the Ivy League canceled, the Pac-12 would kind of follow suit because they're kind of suit and tie conference. They're gonna, they're always gonna side with the scientists, um, which there's no, no quarrel with that, no problem with that. But I, no, you cannot side with the scientists. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying I'm an expert. 2020 in a nutshell. But I just, you know, I, I, I thought it was premature because I thought that you could still have a successful season. In conference, I guess, um, following the protocols that they were going to follow. I mean, I, these kids were going to get tested two to three times a week. 
at least. Um, now you have a situation where there's no football being played. So now what do these kids do? So I, my, my personal opinion, I think the kids are safer on campus. I think they should have went ahead and tried to have the season. Mike Oresco was on uh, the Paul Feinbaum show a couple of days ago. And I really like Mike Oresco, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. I really like what he had to say. You know, it's, it's easier to give up on the season than to regroup. And to me, I feel like the Pac-12, the Big Ten, some of these other conferences, they just gave up. Instead of wanting to regroup and really reevaluate and how they could go forward with this, they just said, you know what, we'll just throw it in the bag. We'll try it. We'll try it next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the reason most of these I, – I don't even think that it's from a health standpoint that these conferences are canceling their seasons. I think it's more from a – economical money standpoint that that's that's the biggest thing that they, they are so worried that college football players are going to be able to quote unquote unionize mm-hmm. and become take take away that amateur status which we've already seen kind of headed in that direction it's, with it's the already Supreme going Court in that decision. direction yeah it's already going in that direction so like and the NCAA and by has, next year they're going to be able to make money off the, the NCAA has backed that Mm-hmm. The NCAA has backed student athletes being able to take endorsement deals. That why and why shouldn't they? Right. Right. I mean, if if I'm a regular student and I can go out there and say, okay, yeah, I'm maybe I'm I'm not, but maybe I'm a professional e gamer or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they've got my picture on a billboard, and I'm getting paid for that. Even I'm still a student, yep. But I'm getting paid for my likeness. Well, these universities use pictures and images of these athletes of all the time, mm-hmm. and they're they're getting they're not getting paid for it. They're getting paid through their scholarship. Which I mean, I also agree that yes, I believe that's enough. But I also think that they should be able to go out and do their own side hustle. Well, any, it, any any kid can get a scholarship. Yeah, I, I had a scholarship. <laughs> I got a $500 scholarship from North <laughs> Davidson High School. You can't get a scholarship. But, yeah, I, that's that's the biggest thing. That, that's what I'm seeing is that these, the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, they're trying to keep their athletes. Because every, every player, every coach mm-hmm. has come out and said, well, with the exception of some players, have come out and said, like, we want to play. Yeah, I mean, you even look at Nebraska. Literally, that is that was a hashtag that was trending all week. Nebraska we want right to play. now is fighting the Big Ten. They they, 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 they finally took a step back. They, they did, but they, like, it was almost as if they wanted to leave the conference for a year just to say, no, screw it, we, we're, we're going to play. We want to play football. And another thing you have to take into account, think about it from a regional standpoint. The SEC is a go. The ACC is a go. The Americans are a go. Most of those teams are in the southeast part of the you know portion of the United States. What up, though? If football is not played in the south, that completely it doesn't destroy. Riot. But it, I mean, the the economies of some of these southern cities, it, they wouldn't be able to bounce back for three, four, five, six, seven years if there's no football in the south. I mean, can you imagine a Tuscaloosa and Auburn, a Clemson, South Carolina? No, there's no football. There's no. I mean, that's. That's just not possible for those for those kind of schools and for those kind of cities. And so I, I, I think a big reason why the SEC and the ACC and the American 
and, and some of these other conferences saying, no, we're going to continue on is because they need that revenue from college football. College football is the moneymaker. And I mean, you look at it from a from a Greenville standpoint, Greenville, North Carolina. Right. I mean, ECU, Greenville is a college town. I mean, let's make no bones about it. ECU, Abs- the Greenville, entire city of Greenville is when I, wrapped when I, around the that first, school. The first time I drove into Greenville and I saw that everything was purple and gold, I saw that the BB&T was purple and gold. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. This this is like a college town. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it was a col- like that big of a college town. You have the freaking water tower that says East Carolina out there, out behind the the Walmart. All all of that. I mean, right. it's I don't know. You you got there and you're like, wow, like this is this is legitimately a college town. But then you go to some of these schools like uh, like a Ohio State, mm-hmm. which is in Columbus, Columbus. Ohio. Yeah. Uh, shout out to my in-laws that live in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to talk about them more a little bit later mm-hmm. when with one of the questions they asked on Twitter. But um, shout out to my in-laws, uh, Michael and Ashley Suter. Um, <laughs> living in Columbus, he's a Penn State fan, but, I mean, that's where that's Ohio State territory. That's got to be harsh. A Penn State fan yeah, living I, in Columbus? You, you can you – can pre- I've been to his – House several times, and I believe you could almost hear the stadium. From he he lives like in the town over, but it's like loud enough to where you can I mean hear the stadium. It's yeah, it's close enough to to where Columbus is. Well, it is one of the biggest stadiums in the country. Yeah, so, but I mean, you mean to tell me? I mean, look at it, Michigan's Michigan. You're a Michigan man. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do without Michigan football, man? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to talk about it. It's gonna suck. It's definitely gonna suck. Not not being able to see my my Michigan, Penn State, my Michigan Ohio State, my Michigan Wisconsin. I mean, we all know how the Michigan Ohio State game was. Shut up, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Same way it's gone for what the last six years. Uh, eight. Eight. They've okay. Won, they won eight straight. So, but yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Is it's all but, of this was? I mean, all of this seems like it was all about money. I mean, Rutgers. That's well, that's what New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the only Division One football program in the entire state of New Jersey. Which, yeah. Then you have Maryland. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, these are. I mean, Maryland's what near Baltimore. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't know exactly. What What city is even Maryland in? Um, I, I don't even know. I, <laughs> I should know this too, and I, I I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Scott Minnipot will be pissed off at us right now. It does not matter. <laughs> um, but it, football just means more down here, right? I mean, it just means more in the South and out West. You got California, and you got your Oregon's, and you got your Washingtons, and those are very technological savvy areas. And you got a lot of big cities out there. People, if if football is not good, they just go to something else, you know. And so football is just really well, not. We've also been saying that. I mean, the Pac-12. They have a team, like, if you're a Pac-12 fan, your team is good once every, like, five to six years. It's, it's a revolving door. But that's what I'm saying. They only follow their football programs when their football programs are good. When they're irrelevant, nobody's following the football programs out west. So Unless it's, like, a USC or Arizona. Right. And Arizona so State. down here, you could have an Auburn go five and seven. There's still going to be 100,000 people at Jordan-Hare. So yeah. it just means more down here. Yeah, I. Yeah, 
I, I'm happy to say that I think the American Conference, the ACC and the SEC, they will provide. And then the Big 12. Can't forget the Big 12. Right, right. Some of those schools in there. I mean, they will provide entertainment and enjoyment mm-hmm. for the fans of college football across the nation um, and across the world. I mean, I think they've got it right. I, I believe that the school or the conferences that canceled the MAC the Mountain West, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I believe that those conferences jumped the gun and pulled the trigger way too early. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that if you – I think you at least try to have the comp, the season. You, that's I feel like that's what you've got to do. But um, for some reason, they did not do that, and that that's ended up biting them in the ass. And, and, and my whole reasoning for going forward with the season is what I originally said. I think the student-athletes are better in a bubble-like scenario on their campuses than they would be on their own. I agree. So, and, and that's why I feel like they, they should go forward with the season. Um, it's unfortunate that we're not going to have a full gauntlet and, of, of, of these FBS and, schools playing. And to follow up on that, I mean, Mike Houston said in his press conference yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, we're putting this out on Friday, August 14th, I believe. Um, yep. So in his press conference yesterday, Coach Mike Houston, I mean, he said that they did their last round of testing on Wednesday, the 12th, and he's very happy, um, very proud of the results that they've seen mm-hmm. from the testing on Thursday. Um, we'll, we'll continue to see how that goes with students coming back on campus. I mean – I see that some students are acting a fool. Uh, we, what was it? A party of 400 people was broken up. Would not be surprised if we knew some of the people that are, were at the party. Right. You know, um, like. <laughs> but but once again, that this is where I'm going to say, please be smart. If you want college football, if you're listening to this podcast, you more than likely want college football. Be smart. Do the right thing. But... I would say that um, th- this works out best for the American Conference. And, Artie, we, we talked about it in our, our text messages to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said from the get-go, before we knew which conferences were and weren't canceling. This would be a great opportunity. I said, this is the, this is the opportunity for the American Conference. I said, even if all the other conferences say, yeah, we're not playing. Mm-hmm. Say the other nine conferences say that, well, the American Conference better step up and say, we're about to play this bitch. We're going to go through – we're going to play a 10-game season. Everybody plays each other. We're going to go through it. Now, nobody knows the answer to this question, but I can't help but ask it. What, what's going on with the college football playoff? What happens? Because what happens if you have a UCF run the table? They're what in. happens if you have a if Memphis If you have a UCF goal, or know, Memphis run the table, one, they're you know, in. Like, Cincinnati – they're in. You you feel like they'd have to be right. I mean, they they, have they, they'd to. have to be in. It, this would really if if we don't see an American Conference team in the that goes eleven and one or or ten whatever the because we're not nobody's gonna play a twelve game season. But is the committee gonna be biased and put two or three one or two lost SEC team SEC teams in? You're not gonna have maybe you're not one gonna, Clemson in. You're gonna have more than then, you're not gonna have more than 
because I wouldn't put it past the committee to say, one, oh, well, you know, one lost team in the SEC. I think, gotta, I think, I think two Auburn, but they lost two to, games. They lost to Georgia and Alabama, which makes them better than a UCF that went undefeated, but they didn't they didn't play a, a SEC schedule. You know, what I, mean? I, I just how are they going to judge that? I, I think they have to take into account what all is going on, and I think that this will start to show the media bias when it comes to the ranking system that we have in place. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that a lot of people already see what's going on, especially from G5 programs. I, I use that term loosely. We believe it's a G4 and a P6. Right. Um, well, now it's a P4. But, <laughs> um, but I, I believe that we'll start to kind of see, okay, here's where the bullshit ends. Right. What about an app state? I think they're going undefeated with a conference only schedule. Yeah, they're going to run the table. But they play. They're the not going to make belt. the playoffs. They play the Sun Belt. But do they make a New Year's Six? Well, yeah, because you look at it. You've got, I think it's seventy-eight slots, seventy-six slots for teams to go to a bowl. Mm-hmm. And right now, you're just over eighty, like five teams in FBS. You might have a four-win team. Making a bowl game. This no, year. no, we should, we should never, we should we, never we reward. Should, we shouldn't do that. But losing teams. But I'm these, sorry, I'll never be on board for that. These bowl games are going to want their money's worth. You're right, and these bowl and people are going to want these bowl games to be played. So, but, I, if we, well, if, I, but in the grand scheme of things, nobody's watching these Dollar General bowls and these San Diego County Credit Point Seattle bowls. Nobody's nobody's watching these bowl mean, games. You mean to tell me you don't want to watch the Popeyes Bowl? You, Ain't nobody watching. You that. mean to tell me you don't want to watch? Southern Miss play a Toledo. Play, play UMass in the Popeyes Bowl? No, I don't. But <laughs> I don't. Yeah, so, and that, I mean, going back to the playoffs, I mean, you got, I, what I think they need to do is they need to say, okay, every conference is going to have a conference championship game, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to pick from these four conferences, the Big 12, SEC, ACC, and the American and whoever wins those conference championship games will play in the playoffs. That's how it should be this year. Yeah. That's how it should be. The conference champion of the, the AAC, the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC. Yep. That, that is how it should be. And will it be that like that? No. But um, that, that's what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. We don't need a committee. Well, so, somebody asked me this the other day. They were like, why is Condoleezza Rice – on the college football playoff committee. That that I've I've never understood that one. Now look, Connelly's Rice could be she's the a, biggest. She's one of the smartest fan. people in the world. It, it has no idea. It has nothing to do with being just smart. You have to know football. Like you have yeah. to. You know what I mean? Like you have it's, to know this sport. It, it's kind of absurd that like they're just like yeah you, yeah you you be on this committee like I mean I mean somebody with integrity. She's somebody with integrity. Somebody that. I don't want Jeff Bezos on the committee. He's an uber smart dude, one of the richest guys, if not the he is the richest guy on the planet. But does he know anything about college you know football? You want on the committee? <laughs> you, want, you want Jared Schaffin on the committee? <laughs> a vote for East Carolina University. Number one every week. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> talking about the Power Four, it, it's funny. Our guest, we haven't even mentioned our guest. Mm-hmm. So we did this interview what two weeks, two weeks ago? ago? Yeah. So before all kind of hell Back, broke loose, yeah. <laughs> we had we had an interview with this with this awesome guy, uh, Phil Still. Yep. 
is joining the podcast today. We, we're going to put out his his interview. We've had some people DMing us asking when we were going to do the interview with him. Sorry we had some kind of people jump in, and we were like, okay, this is kind of a better fit. Mm-hmm. And then all hell kind of broke loose and bit us in the ass. Um, so he said on Twitter, he was like, this is the perfect opportunity for the American Conference. Yeah. Just like I said in my text message to you, I said, this is what the American Conference has been wanting for and like looking for. Now that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are not going to play football this year, they're going to lose so much money from a revenue standpoint, from a TV standpoint, mm-hmm. from fans not having fans in the stadiums. I mean, yeah, we're not going to have as many, but they're going to lose so much money that this is going to really – this is going to handcuff them for the next four or five years, a lot of these programs. And so that's the thing. The eight, the American Conference will be able to pick up on some of those TV slots that those schools are missing out on and say, okay, let's put this thing – on national television every single week. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the best opportunity the American Conference has had. And I, I'm excited to talk of, or excited to play this interview. So, uh, Artie, why don't we go ahead and let's kind of roll it. Let's go over to Phil Steele. So, this week we are pleased to be joined by a great guest. He is probably the most knowledgeable person when it comes to college football and NFL football um, as an analyst, he wrote a 352-page preview magazine or book, I would say, for this year's college football season. Our guest this week is Phil Still. Thank you, Phil, for joining us. How are you doing? Hey, I am doing great. How about you gentlemen today? Doing fantastic. Absolutely uh, fantastic. No complaints here. Uh, Always always great to be on the Boneyard podcast. So, Phil, uh, just want just wanted to jump right in, and uh, you, you did a really good review of what you're thinking, or a preview of what you're thinking the ECU Pirates are going to do this year. Um, one of the first questions I had for you, going into this season with, uh, with Mike Houston in his second year, uh, from that conversation you had with him, what was your main takeaway? Well, that we're they're getting there. Uh, I know talking to Coach Houston the first year, going over the defense, uh, looking at what he inherited, it wasn't his type of defense. Uh, it was a more smaller, speedier defense. Coach Houston likes larger but fast players and just didn't have the personnel that he really wanted defensively. And now you look at the squad, even though they have only four returning starters, they've got two recruiting classes brought in. Uh, and when you look at the, the team uh, last year, they gave up 5.1 yards per carry, which is unacceptable. Uh, they also gave up 62% completion. So they, they need to improve upon that. I think the defensive line is probably going to be the key to this team. Uh, can they improve uh, over that 5.1 yards per carry that they had last year? Bring in a couple of, now they had a couple of JUCOs coming in. Uh, There's a JUCO transfer from last year that is in his second year. Chris Willis, of course, comes over from. App State, so they've got some some players coming in. I think the defensive front's going to be the key. But overall, uh, you know, Coach Houston's got this team in his second year. Uh, feels better about the squad as he should, and most coaches do. And uh, I think this team's pointed in the right direction. I think Coach Houston get this thing turned around in the short term. Now, now, Phil, I wanted to ask you uh, about Holden Aylers. Now, the last half of the season last year, he um, he had a really good back half of the season. 
Um, just want to get your perspective. Do you believe that he can be a premier or one of the premier quarterbacks in the country? Yeah, if he plays like he did the last four games, we're gonna. <laughs> we're, I was really <laughs> impressed. You know, you go back the first eight games. Uh, I believe he had a seven-seven ratio, seven touchdown passes, seven interceptions, threw for about two hundred yards per game. But over those last four games, four hundred and twenty-nine yards per game, fourteen touchdowns, three interceptions. Now. What helps a quarterback out, having experienced receivers? Does he have those? Well, C.J. Johnson, Tyler Sneed, Blake Prohl, all back, top three receivers. C.J. Johnson's a guy that's uh, got NFL capabilities down the road. Naturally, he's a true sophomore this year, so he couldn't come out. But this guy probably is going to end up playing on Sundays. Prohl and Sneed are a couple of veterans. And then uh, the key is going to probably be for, for Aylers. I think it's going to be the offensive line. They've got Dante Smith, who is a guy that is another draft prospect at the left tackle position, Fry at center, but the rest of the line needs to be reworked a little bit. And uh, I think if the offensive line can hold up, Holt Naylor's will have a big-time year this year. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point. I think that him having a or a season like he did in the back half of the season, that would be huge for us. Um, what other players maybe – uh, one of the questions I like to ask is what, what's an underrated player that you might be looking at on the offense um, for ECU to maybe take a stand this year and, and make a name for himself? Well, I call him an underrated player, but he's somebody that comes in with some uh, stuff behind him. That's Chase Hayden of Arkansas. And well, Hayden at Arkansas in 17 only rushed for 300 yards and in 18 only rushed for like 250 yards and then had just four games last year he is a difference maker when he gets the ball he can do everything and he was just playing in a very deep backfield at Arkansas so it's tough to get a lot of the carries I think when you plug him in here along with Penix and Monty you're gonna have a pretty potent run game and you know believe it or not East Carolina has not had a, a top rusher top 500 yards in the last four years. I think Chase Hayden's that guy and gets it done this year. So I think Chase Hayden could be a big part of the offense, even with Ehlers and those receivers coming back. Got you. And I kind of wanted to switch it over to the defensive side of the ball a little bit. What is your perspective and, and, and what do you think it's going to take for us to kind of get back on the right track defensively? Well, like I said, the, the defensive line is young, but now they've got that size that you want. You take a look at like a, a backup defensive tackle in Everett. 6'1", 349 pounds. Okay, there's some size coming in, and I expect him to work his way in and get more action this year. Mm -hmm. If the defensive line can improve, I think that's going to be the key. Now, you look at a linebacking core. You know, Rams are – you're looking for a breakout guy. Rams are only at 32 tackles. One start last year until he was going out for the year. I think if he comes back healthy, he could be a big-time guy. And then another guy to look at is Jaquan McMillan, a cornerback. Now, McMillan – Last year as a true frost, started all 12 games. Didn't have overwhelming stats. Uh, you know, only three, he had three interceptions on the year, uh, and he had uh, 38 tackles. But I think when you look at McMillan, he is a guy that played well as a frost. Now he's a soft. I, I think he's got all-conference capability this year. And then Devondre Robinson in the back at the strong safety. Uh, he had 71 tackles last year, three interceptions as well. Uh, that's a nice piece to build on. He was highly touted coming out of high school. And uh, so I, I think those three players are probably going to be a, a big part of that back seven. And to me, the biggest question I have is the young defensive line this year, how they, how they uh, emerge. Got you. Got you. Now, kind of switching gears, because on, on this podcast, you know, we, we like to call the American a power six conference instead of a group of five. 
Uh, kind of wanted to get your perspective on the American. Do you truly believe that they could be a power six or are a power six, or do you believe that they, you know, deserve or belong in the group of five? Well, you know, if you read the magazine in the front, I rank the conferences. Who's got the toughest conferences out there? And believe it or not, uh, last year, for the first time ever, I rated a group of five conference over a power five conference, and it was the American. Mm -hmm. I rated the American the fifth best conference in college football and the ACC the sixth best conference in college football. So can they be one of the power five, power six conferences? I'm saying last year they were. I mean, you look at the strength at the top. A team like UCF loses three close games during the course of the year, but Memphis, Cincinnati, Navy, SMU, all double-digit win seasons, all big seasons. I thought there was a lot of depth in the American Conference last year. And where the ACC had Clemson, the ACC also had a Grand Canyon after Clemson, where who was the second-best team in the ACC? And would they have even finished middle of the pack in the American Conference last year? So I thought the American Conference last year was the fifth-best conference in college football. So a short answer to your question, yes. <laughs> so, Phil, on in, in your magazine on page 27 – you, you talk about uh, teams that may have a weaker record compared to the last season. Uh, you, you do list ECU as number nine on that, on that list. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, why would you say that ECU is um, looking at either the same or a lesser record? Well, that is uh, that. Now, I have a lot of metrics in the magazine. Now, let me take you back 26 years ago, guys. Uh, I had the first article was turnovers equals turnaround. And I had done five years of research and basically found that 75 percent of the teams that had positive double digit turnovers one year had a weaker record the next year. And vice versa, teams that had negative double-digit turnovers 75% of the time had a better record the next year. Now, I put that in a magazine 26 years ago, and each year it's been true to form. Some years it hits 80, some years 75%, but it's been very true to form each and every year. So then I started saying, well, what else can I look at? So I looked at yards per play. I looked at close wins, close losses. And what you're looking there on page 27 is schedule strength. And this is another one of those where uh, it has about a 75 to 80% chance of happening. And basically it says if your schedule gets stronger in one year, odds are you're going to have a weaker record. So that's the category they fit in uh, is the fact that East Carolina's schedule strength is stronger. And take a look at last year, for example. Who were East Carolina's wins over? East Carolina beat Gardner-Webb, William & Mary, Old Dominion, and Connecticut. Now, those four teams combined for a grand total of one win over FBS schools last year. This year, they do play Norfolk State, which is one of those type of teams, but they really don't play teams like that anymore. So it is a tougher schedule this year, and I think East Carolina is a better team. Now, will they improve upon their record and get up there to the five, six-win level? That's to be seen, but that particular indicator is pointing down for East Carolina. And I kind of want to ask, if you had to uh, pick an upset game, I guess, for us this year, what, what team do you think we could go into and, and beat? And most of the nation would say, oh, I wasn't expecting ECU to go in and beat that team. Well, I think there's a couple teams on the schedule they could pluck off. I'm, I'm going to go back to last year, the Cincinnati game. I thought they could easily have won the Cincinnati game, had a 638 to 462-yard edge, probably deserved to win that game. 
last year. So that would have been that big upset. But uh, I'll pull out uh, one for you here, and it's it's October the 17th against Navy. I think when you look at wow. Navy last year, uh, Navy's offense was built around their outstanding quarterback, Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry is a difference maker and really was the key for Navy going from a three-win team all the way up to an 11-win team last year. Well, Navy's got a fairly veteran squad for a service academy this year with 13 returning starters, but they do lose Malcolm Perry. So I think East Carolina uh, could – they'll have extra time. It's a second look for Mike Houston at Navy's option. There is no Malcolm Perry there. And I think if you're looking for an upset, that home game there uh, falls into that category, as well as the opening game of the season against Marshall. You know, Marshall recently lost their quarterback, so they're going to have an inexperienced quarterback making a road start right at the start of the year. So I think East Carolina's got an opportunity there as well. And uh, like I said, if they played Cincinnati tough last year, I think they showed that they're capable of playing the big boys tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to go back a little bit. Uh, we talked about the defense, and we didn't really touch on the new defensive coordinator, Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast. He, uh, he joins Mike Houston's staff this year. He, I mean, he – was with Kennesaw State. They ran the triple option. Uh, do you think that would also help ECU as it goes to uh, taking off Navy? Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing that I noticed from Blake Harrell's career uh, as a defense coordinator at Kennesaw State and at the Citadel was tough run defense. And so he knows how to stop the run. And you got to think Mike Houston was looking back at that 5.1 yards per carry allowed last year and said, we need to slow that down. And that's the thing about Blake Harrell, that his defenses usually do stop the run. And I do love the fact that he's very familiar with the option. And so that's that's a big positive. No, I, I, I would say we, we've had a pretty good conversation so far, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, do you believe that we're going to have a college football season this year? Absolutely, 100%. I believe we're going to have it in the fall. So I'm not thinking spring. I'm not thinking major fallback. I am going with uh, the fact that uh, I believe we'll be playing football in the fall. Now, if it's conference only, I can handle that. My predictions in the magazine are based on conference records, not overall records. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing conference games doesn't affect the magazine at all. It hurts me a little as a football fan not getting to see uh, Ohio State traveling to Oregon or Washington hosting Michigan or USC playing Notre Dame. But overall, the forecasts in the magazine stay the same. And I do believe we're playing football in the fall. Okay. Yeah, and along those lines, uh, how do you how do you see the bowl season shaking out with a conference only schedule? I am bullish on us playing football in the fall. I don't know about the bowl schedule, you know, because let's face it, what are the bowls for? The bowls are to bring travelers into the city. And if we're having travel things or no fans at the games, then what's the benefit of having a bowl game? Right. I, I don't even want to think about the bowls at this point. I mean, we'll have the big bowls. We'll have the playoff. But all those little bowls, I don't know about for this year. But what I am bullish on is we're playing football in the fall. That's great to hear. Now, I, w- I also want to go back. Uh, we You talked about Chase Hayden earlier. Uh, one of the transfers coming into ECU, ECU has picked up a lot of Power 5 transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there one that you're looking at to be the biggest impact? Uh, maybe it is Chase Hayden. Maybe it's somebody else. Yeah, it's definitely Chase Hayden. Uh, when, when I look at him coming in, uh, like you said, I watched this guy at Arkansas. 
And Arkansas just had a deep set of running backs. But Chase Hayden was a guy that, when he got the ball in his hands, did some damage. Uh, I like the size. I like the speed. And he could do everything. He could catch the ball in the backfield. He could return kicks. Uh, I think Chase Hayden is going to be that, that guy that makes the biggest impact. Now, I'm, I'm looking at this magazine, and it's, it's 352 pages long. It's ultra in-depth. It's got, you know, information out the wazoo on each page. Uh, who, who helps you with this magazine? Do you have, like, a committee, or is it, or is it you know, just who helps you with, well, I, I guess, with the whole process of making this, this ultra in-depth magazine? Yeah, and how we do it, we, we actually go through a, a three-write-through process on the magazine. The first write-through happens right after the season ends, and what we do is we compile all the articles during the season that were written about the team and like to read through all those articles and, and really bring yourself up to speed on each position, remember all the injuries that happened during the year and all the progressions or uh, degressions of the team during the, the positions and the team during the season and then write the, the first right through. And then the second right through is in the spring. And in the spring, we get the uh, freshmen added in. We get the players that left early for the NFL draft taken out, transfers taken out, transfers brought in, rewrite through the second, the second right through. And then the third right through is after I talk to the coaches. And this year I talked to 110 of the 130 head coaches. So I do go through each team myself personally and uh, after talking to the coaches, we readjust the, the three deep and the four deep because they get my team in order for me. Uh, and they also give me some interesting facts and notes on the players, who to look for, who not to look for. And it's usually about an hour conversation with each coach. And then after that the coach's conversation, we do the third right through on the team. So it's a six-month process. But basically – uh, I'm involved in uh, in each of the 130 teams. The staff does help me out now. They they write the first right through on uh, probably about 67% of the teams, and then uh, I I do the second right through on each one. Wow, yeah, that that's a lot of work. Considering it is, I'm holding it right now in my hand. It's a it's it's thicker than most books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, most books that uh, I guess Carolina students would read. Um, sorry. <laughs> You had to take a little jab. So I, uh, I wanted to take a look at some of, some of our non-conference opponents going into this season. Uh, we talked about Marshall, Isaiah Green transferring out. But uh, I wanted to look at week, week two, really, uh, against South Carolina. Um, what, what's your take on, on the Gamecocks going into the 2020 football season? Uh, Coach Muschamp feels this is the best offensive line he's had since he's been there, and I concur. They're loaded up front. Uh, Quarterback-wise, they've got Ryan Holinsky back. He was thrown into the fire as a true frosh last year. He'll be much better. He's got to hold off Colin Hill at quarterback. Colin Hill's a guy that uh, was at Colorado State under new offensive coordinator Mike Bobo. Did well for Mike Bobo at Colorado State and you know knows the offense extremely well. So I think those two give him strength there. Uh, the running back core, Marshawn Lloyd, is a true freshman coming in, 212 pounds, my number nine rated running back. Uh, he's got top-end speed. And then Zaquandre Wright is there as well, the Juco transfer originally signed to Florida State. So the running back core, I think, is upgraded this year. Uh, biggest question mark on offense might be the receivers. They lose Edwards. They lose uh, Barkway, but uh, I think they'll be good there. The, the key for South Carolina the last couple of years, guys, has been injuries. 
They've been very injury plagued, but they've got a new strength and conditioning coach coming in. And if they can stay healthier, they actually rank in my top units in all eight positions in the front of the magazine. So Muschamp's going to get them back to a bowl game this year. I think South Carolina is going to be a pretty tough game. I've got South Carolina about a, a two-touchdown favorite in that game because they are a good squad this year. Gotcha. Now, we, we obviously we, we love ECU, and, and, and we hope the best for them, but we know that they probably will not win the American this year. Uh, who, do you, who do you have at the top of the American winning the American in, in a very competitive uh, American conference? Yeah, and I went out of the box last year. Generally, uh, you pick UCF first, right, because they were coming off a pair of undefeated seasons. I didn't do that last year. I didn't even pick UCF to win their own division last year. I had Cincinnati meeting Memphis in the American title game, and uh, there were some close calls here and there, but they got there. And then I had Memphis actually getting to the uh, New Year's Day 6 bowl game. I believe I was the only one in the country to call for Memphis to get there. The Tigers delivered for me, so I was pretty happy with the American forecast last year. Now this year, I'm going back to UCF. UCF has got a lot of talent. 16 returning starters coming back. They're now veteran at quarterback. They've got Dylan Gabriel, Daryl Mack, uh, Mackenzie Milton. I'd love to see Mackenzie Milton on the field again. You look at the running back core with Greg McRae, Otis Anderson. Uh, they're loaded there. The receiving core is loaded with speed. Offensive line solid. The secondary is going to be dangerous this year. You look at the fact that the Senior Bowl may just have five defensive backs on the Senior Bowl watch list when that comes out uh, in August. So look out for that secondary this year. Each player, an all-conference caliber player, and all eight units ranking my top units in front of the magazine. They do have to play Memphis on the road. They have to play Houston on the road. But uh, I actually have USF or UCF, excuse me, uh, favored in all their games. Their biggest contenders in the American this year, Memphis again, Ryan Silverfield stepping into a good situation. You know, he's not a first-year head coach taking over a team because he's been there, so he knows the personnel. I think a lot of first-year head coaches this year are going to struggle with the lack of knowledge of the team and the lack of spring practice. It's not the case here at Memphis because Silverfield does know the team, and he's got a veteran quarterback in Brady White. Kenneth Gainwell back, what an emergence he had last year offensive line defense solid so memphis is a legitimate threat as is cincinnati luke fickle's doing a great job with the bearcats uh they are both their offense and defense lines rank in my top units they got my number eight secondary in the country and not only do they have nine starters back on d but they also add back in james wiggins and james wiggins was arguably their best defensive player missed all of last year with injury he's back on the field to go along with nine starters that's going to be a really good defense. And, you know, you've, like I said, one of the reasons I had the American rated so high is teams like in the fourth and fifth position that I have. SMU was 10 of three last year. Uh, Navy was 11 and two. And I got them picked fourth and fifth in the conference. So this is a very good conference. And, uh, and that's, that's why what, that was one of the reasons that uh, I didn't have East Carolina higher in the rankings is the, the toughness of this league. Yeah. And one, one of the teams that I, I think is intriguing looking, looking at the American conference. Um, it's actually Tulsa. Um, they, they had a pretty good season last year, came very close to winning some uh, tight games. Uh, what's your take on, on the golden hurricane? Yeah, they're going to finally be explosive offensively. Philip Montgomery has not had a returning starter at quarterback for a while. He's got a good one in Zach Smith. And I think you hit it right on the head. If you just look at final scores and records, you're thinking Tulsa wasn't very good last year. But Tulsa missed 
two field goals. I mean, they, they outgained SMU last year. They outgained Cincinnati. They outgained uh, Memphis. They missed a 29-yard field goal at the buzzer, which would have beat Memphis. Uh, they did beat UCF outright. And despite facing nine bowl teams last year, they were plus 45 yards per game in AAC play despite their 2-6 and six record. Nine starters back on offense. They're going to be explosive. Shamari Brooks, a running back. Keelan Stokes catching the ball from Zach Smith, veteran offensive line. My biggest question mark might be D because last year their defense was underrated. Uh, they had uh, eight starters coming back, and uh, they were pretty good. They uh, they actually, while they gave up 395 yards per game, it was improvement, especially from two years ago. They've got some players back, five starters back. Jackson player, uh, Zayvon Collins up front, uh, Christian Williams in the in the uh, nickelback role. Uh, but I think that's going to be the biggest question mark with Tulsa. They're not as veteran a defense as last year. If they can be close to what they had last year defensively, they're going to be very dangerous. Yeah, I I, I really look forward to that game, but I also am not looking forward to <laughs> watching ECU in that game because they always seem to have our number. But, uh, Phil, I, I know that uh, you've got you've got to head on here, here in a little bit. Um, so I want to thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Um, where can people find your magazine? Where can, where, they, where can they get your book? I appreciate that, guys. And, you know, the magazine is 352 pages, like getting 130 different media guides all rolled into one, except we give you the same amount of coverage on East Carolina or Buffalo that we do on Alabama and Ohio State. Two full pages, all the information, same spot, every page, quick, easy reference. Now, we normally print a couple hundred thousand magazines and they're everywhere. So if you're used to going out to your grocery store, all the bookstores out there and scooping one up, you can only find it at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million this year. So two locations only. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million are the exclusive dealers. And we only printed 50,000 this year. So we printed a lot less than we normally do. Very limited. So Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, if you don't find them there, with if they're sold out, you can go online to philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. Go to philsteel.com and pick up the magazine or go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million exclusively this year. All right, Phil. Thank you again for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, Phil. Hey, great talking football with you guys today. Really enjoyed it. Have yourself Absolutely. a great season. And let's play some football this year. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Once again, we wanted to thank Phil Still for joining the Boneyard Podcast this week. Um, one of those guys that, I mean, it's he, he's the, probably the most knowledgeable person for college football. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're a true college football fan and you haven't picked up this guy's magazine yet, do yourself a favor. Go get a copy. Cause, I mean, Barnes & Noble. Yep. Uh, Books a Million, Books right? a Million, yep. I believe, yeah. So go do that. You can order it online also at his website. Um, really – suggested it's what a lot of college football um podcasts and other media analysts mm -hmm. and people are using yep to i mean th these are the things that people are it's got fun facts about matchups and things like that in it I, that's the stuff i like to look at and it's a full two pages on on each team a full two pages so you've yep. got over 350 pages i believe of just college football um information well, yes, some of those pages are worthless now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I highly recommend. 
If you're a fan of this podcast, you're probably a fan of East Carolina University and the American Athletic Conference. Mm-hmm. So I, I highly recommend going and get that. Um, learn more about the teams that we're playing and kind of what they're what they're good at, what they're not good at. That's what Artie and I are using to uh, provide more in depth analysis. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, what we what we recommend. Now, Artie, we had uh, we had a, some good questions mm-hmm. come in this week on on Twitter. Um, I'm going to kind of run through those first. The first one um, it wasn't so much a question as a to us. It was a question more so to Stephen Igo, friend of the podcast um, from ECU Pirate Cannon. And I, I just I replied to the tweet. I was like, hey, this actually might be a good segment for us to talk about on the podcast. So I don't mm-hmm. think we're going to have much to talk about this week. So I, th- I thought, okay, yeah, this would be a fun, just kind of a fun conversation. Well, I've talked so much about scheduling. You know that's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. So, um, let, let's talk about that first. All right. I'm pulling up the future FBS schedules. So, if you just bear with me. Okay. So, East Carolina, we know that they're going to start with Marshall. What we're going to do is we're going to run through the games on ECU schedule right now and pick our ideal game times, what we believe the game times will be mm-hmm. for this year. Okay, so um, the Marshall game, it's supposed to be. It was supposed to be Saturday, August 29th. I think we're gonna eventually move that to September September twelfth. Yeah. Um, for the first game, which w- which would have been the South Carolina game. Which would have yep. Which would have been the South Carolina game. So, uh, I think already. I, I think you gotta go with a that. I think you gotta go with a. That's a night at, game. Mid afternoon night game. Yeah. 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 Uh, a three thirty, either a three thirty kick or a seven o'clock kick. I think three thirty is the earliest. It's definitely not going to be a noon game. No. Um, I'd love seven though, for for that game in particular. Um, I'd love seven o'clock at at the Fick, um, on September twelfth. So you're gonna stick with seven. I'm sticking with seven. I think that I think that game would be. Uh, a seven I'm gonna go. Game. I'm gonna go three thirty. Three thirty. Okay. I'm gonna go three thirty on that game. I believe that might be. No, I don't know who else is playing on that date. And that's, and that's, that's, that date isn't set in stone yet either. So, but I, I believe that that might be a primetime game on ESPN, ESPN two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be one of your primetime games on a, on a Saturday afternoon. All right, moving on. September twenty fourth. Wow. That is a Thursday night against Central Florida. Central Florida UCF. That we with it being a Thursday night game, we know it's going to be a night game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably going to be a seven o'clock kick, um, so you, there'll be tailgates going on starting around two o'clock, three o'clock. Um, will there be tailgates? There will be tailgates. You think you don't think the university is going to shut that down? You, you, the university can shut it down on campus, but there's so many spots around the football stadium that you right. can go to that aren't on campus and tailgate. And I don't, I don't even know. if the university will be able, how the university would be able to police it if everybody just decided to go yeah, I mean, if tailgate. You, yeah, if you'd had just, you know, 60 to 70,000 people to say, screw it, I'm going to go gonna tailgate. tailgate. So, yeah, I mean, there will, there but will there be is some no form of safe way to social distance and tailgate. I will say that. The alcohol otherwise, will kill o- it. otherwise, you shouldn't tailgate. The alcohol will kill it. That, that's, that's how it's killing it at uh, these parties with 400 people. <laughs> um, then. ECU heads on the road October 3rd. At Georgia State. At Georgia State. 
former Turner Field. They just got a new name for their stadium. Actually, I talked to they renovated that stadium too. Oh yeah, I, I I can't remember the guy's name. I talked to the beat writer from twenty four seven Sports. He's going to come on the podcast at some point mm-hmm. to give us a highlight of that game. Um, that game, I mean, I, I I I looking at our next two games on the schedule. I think they're both noon games. The the Georgia State and USF game. Georgia State and USF. I think those are both be noon games. I, I I could see the USF game being a noon game. Georgia State. I don't know what else is going on in Atlanta that day, but I got yeah. I would say that game's probably going to be a noon game. Um, might be. It might be a little bit later in the day. Some of those non-conference games sometimes end up being a, a night game mm-hmm. shown on um, ESPN three or whatever they they call it now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that might be a, one of those games that uh, is shown at noon or I, I could. It's not going to be a three o'clock game. No, that's not a three o'clock game. That's a Either a noon game or a late evening game. I know a lot of those. Uh, what is that? Sun Belt. A lot of those Sun Belt schools. They they like to play their games at night, no matter what. Okay. Um. So. But I can see it being noon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noon would be a good time for that game. Now Navy. Navy comes in for homecoming on Saturday, October seventeenth. Uh, comes into Greenville. I think. I think that game's a three thirty game. Yeah. That's a three thirty game. That's a that's a good right, start right time. Middle, yeah, right in the middle of the day, get enough people. You got you got time for people to you know get a little inebriated, a little <laughs> down you, there in Greenville. Man, you got and it's homecoming. You got to be very inebriated to watch that triple option from Ken Nehemiah. Yeah, I mean, how do you key? I don't ask. I'm me. not gonna try. <laughs> don't, you, please, Nehemiah. Don't, don't try. It. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do not butcher that man's name. Great coach. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Coach Ken. Mm-hmm. Coach Ken from Navy um, <laughs> will come into, come into Dowdy Ficklin. Now, I'm excited about that game. That game's going to be very interesting with the triple option. Um, Blake Harrell, defensive coordinator, he's coached against the triple option. He's coached a team that has played the triple option, so he's seen yeah. it so many if, times at practice. If we can hold that team to 21, we win that football game. We do, especially with our offense. If we if we hold any team to 20 points or less yeah. in any game this year, <laughs> we could probably win that football game. We win that our football game. Our problem is we will let teams score 37 to 38 on us every year. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't want to see any 55s this year. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we will. I think the defense coming from the practice last week or the scrimmage last week, I think we'll see the defense uh, really step up. Uh, Tulane Saturday, November seventh, in Dowdy Ficklin. Uh, that that's another, that's a twelve o'clock game. That's yeah, that's a noon game. So get the mimosas ready. We'll have another question about that in a little bit. Get the mimosas mm-hmm. ready. Get the tequila sunrise ready. Um, and get ready to party until <laughs> noon. Um, that that'll be a fun game. Tulane Tulane's gonna be good, man. Tulane. I, I, I've been hearing that. I haven't really been keeping up with Tulane. Tul- I've, Tulane's I've gonna hearing... be good. Um, another good team. We'll uh we'll have ECU going up to Ohio, up into my father-in-law's territory in Ohio, Cincinnati. I think different part of the state, but um, ECU going into Cincinnati. That game, don't I wouldn't be surprised if ECU at that point is what that's game what one two three four five six seven. That would be game eight mm-hmm. on on ECU's schedule right then. Don't be surprised if ECU sitting at five and three, just throwing out their number, 
VC's sitting at five and three. Don't be. Would so, they be five and three or would it be four and three going into that? They'd Take be. It. They'd be four and three. Excuse okay. me. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Um, yeah. Because so, I was going to agree. I, I can see four and three. If they're four and three going season. into that game, that game's a seven o'clock kick. Yeah. That, hell, that might be an that, eight o'clock kick. Like, yeah. That's once, a, once you get to the latter half of your schedule, it's it's based off of record. Especially, well, that's that's a Thursday night game. So that that game's going to oh, be. Oh, is that a Thursday night game? That, okay, that yes, game's going to be a night game, game anyways. Anymore. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting game going into Cincy. That, that's a game that, I mean, we almost pulled it out last year here in Dowdy Ficklin. That's a game that if the defense can be just a little stronger than it was last year, right. we win that football game. Like you said, I think we'll be 4-3 and three heading into that game. And that's a game that could turn the tides of, of the season. Did we, we, did we, we completely out, skip over Tulsa? I don't think we talked about Tulsa. <laughs> Hold on. That's a Friday night game. That, that's a that's a night game. Friday night. Yeah. That, that's yeah. But anyway, sorry Tulsa. I think I, I think we'll be four and three heading into in, in Cincinnati. If we if we can leave Cincinnati, Ohio at five and three, looking at the rest of our schedule. I think I think this is the year we beat Temple. Temple is God. I can't stand Temple because they always give us a hard time, and we're playing in Philly. And we we took SMU we to like the brink to Philly, last year, but I think. You know, what was that, 6-3 and three going into that last game with SMU? Could, could you, it's possible. Could you imagine a 7-3 and three football season? Possible. We back, baby. We back. Now, we shouldn't jump the gun yet. We're not. But 7-3 seven, seven and three with this schedule that we have. It, it's lighter. You don't, it's doable. You don't have – It's very doable. You don't have that South Carolina game on there. Mm-hmm. You also don't have that Norfolk State game. But I also – seeing how practices have been going – I mean, I think ECU's still a dog to Marshall, but Marshall did lose their starting quarterback. Um, shout out to uh, Running with the Thundering Herd. I, I believe that's the podcast. I'm going to be joining them right after we record here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be on their podcast sometime soon. Uh, check them out. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think that Marshall game, I think that's a win. Uh, UCF game, that, that's going to be a toss-up game. But I think UCF is still – Better than ECU, but that that's a game in Dowdy Ficklin on a Thursday night. I think that game's going to be a lot closer than people expect it. I think Central Florida pulls it out, but I think that game's going to be close. But over the past two years, ECU has played UCF pretty good up until halftime, and then mm-hmm. UCF has put poured it on. Um, I, I think ECU's offense can hang with UCF's offense. Yeah, it'll just be a it'll be a battle of the defenses basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia State, I, uh, that should be a win. I think Georgia State and USF, we went two straight. I, I think that's a win. And I think, like I said, I think with the way our defense is and our defensive coordinator and Coach Houston, mm-hmm. I believe we could beat Navy this year. I think this is the year we could finally beat Navy. Now, that would have us at 4-1. and one. That would have us at 4-1. and one. Heading into I, Tulsa. I think you go into Tulsa, I think you lose that game. You think we lose to Tulsa? I think you lose Tulsa. So that's 4-2. and two. And then I also believe you lose to Tulane. Tulane's going to be a good football team this year. Okay. Um, see, I think we lose the Navy, we beat Tulsa. Okay. I, I could also see that. I mean, I, I, you could. I, we so we have those games flip flopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then I say, all right. Yeah, we could probably. I, I say, man, I, I just do not see us beating Tulane. I don't. I don't know why. A lot of the games I feel comfortable with. That's one of those games. That's a sleepy game. No, that is in Dowdy, so that's going to help us. But I mean, once again, it's not. 
if we're if we're four and two, usually that that stadium would be packed. Mm-hmm. But with everything that's going on, we're four and two. Stadium's not packed. It's hard to get up for a game from especially a noon game against Tulane that doesn't have a packed stadium. Like, that is going to be hard to get up for. So I, I think that's one of those games that I mean you kind of get you kind of get complacent, and then you turn right around five days later. You go into Cincinnati, and I think. Shocker! I, th- I think you beat Cincinnati. We always play Cincinnati tough. Yeah, we do. Um, this is I, I, between Cincinnati and Temple. This is the year we get past one of them. Yeah, this is the year we get past one of them. We're not going to lose to both this year. I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I remember Cincinnati. I think it was senior year. Our senior year beat us on a last second field goal, and I had been talking shit to the kicker all game. <laughs> you know where I sit? I sit like right there. Yes, yes. I've, the, I've, I've been to plenty of ECU football games with you, and, and I, I sit there and. Where the opposing team's kickers like getting stretched out a little bit, kicking into the net, and I'm just talking so much shit. To you're him. a lot rowdier at basketball games, though. I've noticed. I think that's because you were the president of the Minji's Maniacs, though. Yeah, well, and it's a more confined space, so we can hear you a lot clearer. I, I, I can. I know the players can hear me there because I know that you said some me. things during the basketball games. Like, we're, not, we're not. We're not. We're not going <laughs> to repeat some of What are you doing, man? <laughs> this podcast is rated E. That doesn't mean for everyone. Means explicit, and <laughs> um, even some of the things I've said at basketball games oh, cannot be goodness. said on this podcast. Yeah, no, yeah, no, nothing, nothing like too insensitive, just mean. <laughs> you had one. You had. We're not gonna bring it up, but you had one. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I know, about. Too. I know exactly. Yep. <laughs> and the thing was, like, the stadium got so quiet. Right before I said it, like I was in the process of saying it, and it was one of those things where like everybody just shut up, and I like just yelled it, and like the I can't I think we were playing Cincinnati. Yeah, it was Cincinnati. Yeah, and the guy just looked at me. He was like, <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, okay, yeah, probably need to turn it turn it back just, a little bit. Just turn it down just a little bit." Yeah, um, Temple. I think that's a dub. Um, My only problem is it's in Philly. It's in Philly. We've never won in Philly. No, we've never won in Philly. But I think this would, I think this is the year that, like we, like we've been saying, you start to see it turn around. And then SMU, SMU's getting votes for preseason rankings. Yeah, SMU's going to be one of the top teams in the S- conference. SMU will probably be a loss if if I had to pick. Mm-hmm. Also, they're going to be looking at trying to get into a the American Conference Championship game. Yep. At that point, um. I, I could see ECU losing that game, but who knows? This might be the year that ECU plays spoiler to a lot of teams. It could be. You know, seven and three is doable. Um, but three three and seven is also doable. <laughs> I, I don't see three and seven. I I see at least four wins. Yeah. Five so, and five. I, I you know, I couldn't I wouldn't put it past us to go five and five. So So And yeah. I don't I don't know how many wins it's gonna take to get to a bowl game. I know you were saying you might have some four win, three win teams in there. Um, I'm never going to be a proponent of having a team with a losing record go to a bowl game, but money is power. So I don't, I don't know how many wins it's going to take to get to one. Um, hopefully we find out what that is soon. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll have – you're going to have all these college bowl games, these football bowl games, and, I mean, I, I think I think you've just got to have it. you got to uh, grin and bear it. Um, but going on, moving on to our next question. Thank you to ECU Pirate Cannon for that last question. Our next question comes from my father-in-law. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Suter underscore Michael, Michael Suter. Um, his let, – let me just read this whole thread, okay? So he said he, – he made a comment about my grammatical error last week when I said funner. And I, I admit – like I, call, I called myself out on it. I, I called my – like I called it. It was one of those things – for those of you listening, I do the grammar. We we don't edit the podcast. When we edit the podcast, we cut it mm-hmm. and then we go. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all we do. So I I made a mistake. I'm not going to go in there and find the mistake and spend so much time. We we enjoy the product that we put out because it's it's natural. It's two guys sitting here talking sports, right? So he goes. Gentlemen, I think the podcast would be funner, in quotation marks, <laughs> if would focus, so there's a grammatical error, um, if would focus on better grammar, cleaner language, and had highlights of non-conference teams like Penn State and Alabama. Penn State, the Nittany Lions, what the hell is a Nittany Lion? Is, is that like something that they have up there in Pennsylvania? I don't really care, actually. Um, and then Alabama. So, sir, this is an ECU podcast. This is not a Penn State or an Alabama podcast. I'm sure they have great podcasts. Now, we, we do talk about, you know, non-conference teams, teams out of conference. We will talk about when, when the football season actually yep. starts. We, we will. will talk about these other conferences. It won't just be ECU. We are an ECU podcast. We will mainly focus on East Carolina. But, yes, we will talk about these My, other schools. The response we had was this was when all the – before the, the – uh, Big Ten canceled college mm. football. I said, we'll talk about Penn State if the Big Ten gets it together and plays football. <laughs> so, Mr. Suter, my father-in-law, uh, says, new topic. Which pro running back would you rather have? Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry? You can put Chris Johnson in the mix, but he hasn't played in a few years. Well, yeah, Chris no, Johnson. No, no, Chris Johnson's out. No, we're talking about 2008. <laughs> yeah. Now, if if we put all these guys like at their abilities right now, if we put all these guys in their ability right now, and then take like so Saquon and Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. put them in 2008. Yeah, I'm taking CJ2K all day. Yeah, all day. But right now, yeah, I'm 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 taking Saquon. Man, it's got to be Saquon. A healthy Saquon. If he, yeah, if he can stay healthy, I'm taking Saquon all day. Even though Derrick Henry is a man, a monster, a monster among among men. I should that say. man, that that is a full grown. I've seen him run 99 yards man. twice, in which he broke like eight or nine tackles. That man, we're not talking about 150 pound linebackers. We're talking about six two. 240, 250. So right now and he's I, just shoving them to the side. So so if you had to rank top three running backs in professional football right now, based off of production, Saquon or Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going Christian McCaffrey one based yeah. off of production. Um, Zeke. then I'm going Zeke two, and then I'm going Saquon. Yep, and then it's Derrick Henry. But that's just based off of production numbers and what I yeah. what I see them doing. I mean. The the thing with Christian McCaffrey is he he has that he has that receiving game that he man he can he can burn yeah, somebody. If we're going fantasy football, I'm picking C Mac all day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then throw my boy out there, Todd Gurley. What up, though? Two five two. Is he going to be healthy? Two five two represent. Is Todd Gurley going to be healthy this year? You're a Falcon. 
I think you he'll guys be healthy. need him to be healthy. I, I think he'll be healthy, but I, I don't. I don't know if he'll be our number one all year. Who you guys still have at a running back? You guys still have uh, Coleman. Coleman, because you got rid of Freeman, right? Freeman's yeah. gone. Freeman's gone. So Col- Coleman will step in. Um, yeah. All right, and then last question from our boy Petey. Uh, <laughs> this man, he man, he never. Now getting getting back to your father in law's uh, request about the language, that's on you. <laughs> I curse like one percent of the time on this podcast. Man, it is, it is just the way I express myself. Now, to our credit, we are not on FCC Airways. We are not uh, paid by ESPN and Disney, so we do not need to. I I go back to my whole point of why I wanted to start this podcast. <laughs> I started this podcast because I could tell I was getting on my wife. And my family's nerves. We repeat, this podcast is not for the kids. I was getting on their on their nerves when I was talking about ECU sports all the time. This is my outlet, and when I curse, it's because I'm passionate, not because I want to curse. It just happens. And as long as we don't bring up NC State, you know, it'll be fine. Fuck State. <laughs> hey, see, it, it, that now that is just a that's a knee jerk reaction. <laughs> um, but. Uh, going to our next question. Our next question involves some foul language. So I will say fudge, Mary kill <laughs> PDS for morning tailgate. So this goes well with our first, our first uh, question. So for that two lane game, it's a noontime game uh, morning tailgate. What is your, what is your drink of choice? Fuck, Mary kill tequila, sunrise, mimosa, or Bloody Mary. I can tell you right now, I'm killing the Bloody Mary. Oh, that's that's easy. This this list is way too easy. I'm killing I'm the Bloody killing Mary. Bloody Mary. I, I've never... If I see you at a tailgate am, drinking a Bloody Mary... fudging the tequila sunrise, and I'm marrying that mimosa. Come on now. Yeah. I, that's easy. See, to me, I don't... You said you're marrying the mimosa? Oh, all day. 100%. 100%. Not even close. Why? What? Why? Because I love mimosas. That's why I'm... So... <laughs> don't you marry the thing you love? Yeah, I guess. But see, like, I take it from the thing that I would want to keep drinking and keep doing. That's why I'm down in that tequila sunrise, and then I'm getting to the mimosas. But see, like, when anytime we've been at a tailgate and we've had a tequila sunrise, I've always... I, I don't go back to the mimosa. If I start drinking tequila sunrise, I'm drinking 12 of those bitches, and then I'm going <laughs> to the game. <laughs> Well, see, that's because you're not putting enough champagne in your mimosas. It's just a splash of orange juice, baby. Nah, nah. It's a splash Man, of orange juice. I had mimosas this past week, and I drank, I basically drank a full it's bottle of champagne. It's not orange juice with a splash of champagine. It's no, champagne with I, a splash I, I, of orange juice. I drank juice. a full bottle of champagne this weekend. We had a uh, friend of the podcast, Catherine Brinkley, was uh, came over for brunch uh, before Savannah and I moved. Um, we had some friends down here from Washington, D.C., and we, we got brunch at a, at a place that was across the street from my former apartment we moved this past week and uh yeah i mean we got i we couldn't get it there because we were taking the food to go of course so i walked up to the grocery store bought two bottles of champagne and a bottle of orange juice i killed one of those bottles of champagne basically by myself (laughs) um that that was not that was not a good idea before moving everything that was not a good idea um, so, and that, that's another thing. I mean, if I'm going to be drinking so many mimosas, I don't want to be st- standing out there in the hot sun in Daddy Ficklin. I want to 
have something that will keep me. Uh, what's the word you used earlier? Inebriated. Inebriated. I want something that will keep me that way until halftime, mm-hmm. where I can then by halftime I'm starting to put fluids back into my body that are good for me, like Powerade and Gatorade. So that I'm gonna I'm gonna drink Tequila Sunrise so I don't feel it, and then. See, with the tequila sunrise and and you know you and I we went to the games and that's exactly why I couldn't drink ten to twelve tequila sunrise. I, I was at throwing shit back. I I, I would be because you know that Greenville heat it, it hits different, and so halftime at, at Dowdy if you don't have any water or any power in you you're ready to go to sleep. You're ready to sleep for about ten hours. My my halftime routine right right at halftime like probably I might go a minute or two before. Halftime ends just depending on the situation going on on the field. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there's a change of possession. I'll go then when there's a change of possession. I'll go. Here's what I do. I get two slices of Papa John's pepperoni pizza, <laughs> a Gatorade, and one of the huge-ass waters. Mm-hmm. That is my game day routine. On game day, I will eat two slices of pizza you gotta have the water, and gotta have some water. See, with the mimosas, I can down those back, and I can just be buzzing. I'm just, I'm just but, buzzing. But mimosas, I, I never really get drunk ha- off mimosas, but I'm just, I'm on a real good buzz. So, it's something about the champagne. And when I'm at the game, I don't really want to be drunk because I want to pay attention to the game, but I, I want to be buzzing. Oh yeah, I mean, I can be drunk and still be buzzing. Like, but I will say the mimosas, like, I, I don't know if it's really the orange juice because there's orange juice and tequila sunrise, so I think it's more the champagne is what gives me the bubble guts. Okay. So that's yeah, that's no point for me. So, you, so so you're you're fudging the mimosa and you're marrying yeah, the tequila sunrise. I'm gonna pop a bottle at five a.m. five thirty, and say, all right, it's time to party. Jesus, drink drink some champagne, and then head to the tailgate with my case of beer, and then pour me a tequila sunrise, and go on from the day. Drink a bottle about a bottle of tequila, and then head into the football. Stadium. I can only pray our future children don't hear some of these episodes. They're gonna hear them. Because, We're gonna teach them <laughs> because they're gonna be like, "Well, Daddy, you get you got up at five thirty in the morning, started drinking. Why are you complaining to me?" Oh, I'm not gonna be complaining. I'm gonna be the one saying, "Hey, kids, it's time to wake up." Um, so that's it for the questions, uh, Artie. Time for walk, walk the, the plank. plank, walk the plank, walk the plank. You got one? Yes, I am going to go back to my old staple, the NCAA. <laughs> what, what was it you called them? You said they were uh, pimps. Pimps. Uh, my, my, ste- my, my stepdad, my Jerry, pimps. he loved when you called them pimps. My pimps at the NCAA have done it again. They continue to run a mockery. And I'm specifically talking about college football. Um, in my personal opinion, I think it's time to have a central leader. I don't understand why we haven't had this yet. College football makes way too much money. Let's stop acting like it's like regular fall sports. It's not. It's not like the other fall sports. It makes way too much money. It's on an island by itself somewhere in the Pacific, and it's a very big island. Nothing else surrounds it. So I think it's time to have a central leader, a president of college football to be able to bring these conferences together, to be able to sit down with all these conferences. Because there's no communication. There's been no communication, really, between the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, the American. They've just now started to get together and sit down and talk. But a lot of them just keep to themselves, like, oh, we're, we're going to do our own thing. We know what's best for us, yada, yada, yada. And the NCAA is just sitting back, 
kind of just, well, I don't know. I don't. I guess we'll have football. I guess we won't have football. Well, I guess some teams will play. I guess some teams won't. I, I don't really know what to do. We have to have better leadership within the NCAA. And I think it is time to have a central figure president of college football to be able to combat things like this and to be able to sit down on all these conferences and come together and be together on a lot of these issues that face us, especially right now involving uh, college football. So my walk the plank, once again, the NCAA walk the damn plank. Okay, and I, Jared Shaffit, hereby accept the nomination for president <laughs> of the College Football Commission. Um, all right, so my walk the plank. Um, I go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I almost wanted to say the Big Ten because they kind of got this ball rolling, and I think that they jumped the gun. But as – most of you know, and I know some of you have started following me on Twitter, on social media. You've probably seen my tweets over the past two days about the officiating in the NHL. There has been some terrible, terrible, terrible. And I, I don't want to be one of those terrible, guys. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I, I do not want to be one of those guys that says, oh, it's the ref's fault. It's not. We, The Carolina Hurricanes should have won. They should be up 2-0. They should be up 2-0. The, well, the first game they didn't. They played like they played like horseshit, to be honest. Grayson, cover your ears. That, that's my and still said the two overtimes. But they they should have lost that game. But the officiating in that game was so piss poor that head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, Rod Brennamore, went off, got fined twenty five thousand dollars. Here, let me uh, let me read what Rod Brennamore said. So Rod Brennamore said this, okay? He said that the if I could find it, I had a, I had a screenshot of it. Okay, here it is. Rod Brennamore. The guy comes to me and says it's either the goalie, the guy being the referee. It's either goalie interference because he has it and the guy knocked it out of his hand or it's a glove hand pass. You got to pick one. The referee should be the one saying, "Okay, this is what I have on the ice." What do you want to challenge? Mm-hmm. So he says, you got to pick one. Either way, it's no, it's a no goal. Yeah. So the referee tells the coach, it, either way, you, either way you pick it, it's going to be a no goal. So Rod Brindamore uses his challenge to mm-hmm. challenge the the play, and then the league reviews it and says, no, that that's a good goal. When base and this, let me finish the quote. Either way, it's a no goal. What you have to tell me. He says, what? You have to tell me what the call is. He's telling me to pick one, he being the referee. Mm-hmm. He comes to me and says, pick one. I'm like, well, it's one of the two. There's absolutely no way that can be a goal. He's putting it on me to pick it. Well, you tell me what you're calling. You're calling he had it? That that Then it's fucking goalie interference. That's not my language. That's Rod Brendamore's. Yeah. Brendamore also said, if you're saying he didn't have it, you're not telling me what call you're making and I have to pick one? Then they go upstairs and say, oh, he had possession. It's horseshit. Once again, Rod Brendamore's words, not mine. This is where the league is a joke. Rod Brendamore is fined $25,000, and it knows that if he says another thing, it's going to be another $25,000. So the Carolina Hurricanes, as an organization, wrote a check to the NHL to pay for Rod Brendamore's fine of $25,000 and then added a 
nice little $17 onto that for Rod Brendamore's <laughs> number, number 17. So there was some pettiness from, from the Hurricanes, but rightfully so. And then last night, you mean to tell me some of those calls were, were absolute garbage. Um, luckily, the Carolina Hurricanes pulled off the win to tie the series at 1-1. One one. Uh, the referees, they, they were atrocious. So, yeah, uh, NHL refs walked the plank. Chris Lee... You can go dive in the deep end. I don't give a shit. All right. Go Canes. NHL refs. Um, that, that's really all I got to say about that. Um, yeah, Artie. Uh, one last thing. It's on a positive note. I just want to shout out Harold Varner III. He is currently yes. playing that's in the Wyndham thought. right now. And right down the road. I don't know where, where he's at, leaderboard or positioning. I know he's he had tied, a he was solid tied for first second. Yeah. He's tied for second right now. He's... When we're recording this, he's just about to tee off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, last time I looked, the leader was through like 14 holes today and was only two up on Harold Varner. So, if, if HV3 has a day like he did yesterday where he goes – even if he goes four under today – He's still going to put himself it, in great position. He's going to put himself in a great position going yeah. into the weekend. So, stay, to stay tuned to that. Watch, watch Harold Varner this weekend. Absolutely. Um, Pirate alum. Pirate alum. All right. Well, uh, Artie, that's been a – we did 55 minutes of this podcast. We were expecting to only do, like, 25. Right. Um, that – and I should say that that's with – before we even add the interview. So, mm-hmm. this podcast is probably going to have been almost an hour and a half long. So, <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. On that note – We out, baby. We out. Until next week.